Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Jay Bear, and we are going to explore some of the big trends that he sees going on in the social media marketing world. And we're also going to talk about the important role of content in your social media strategy. You're definitely going to want to check it out. By the way, you can tag me on Instagram at Stelzner, or you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Also, if you're new to this podcast episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button. We've got some amazing content coming to you. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for this week's interview with Jay Bear. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Jay Bear. If you don't know who he is, you need to know who he is. He's a marketing and customer experience strategist. He co-authored the book, Talk Triggers, and he also founded Convince and Convert. He's also the host of the Social Pros podcast and Standing Ovation, a brand new podcast focused on speaking and events. Jay, welcome back to the show. Mr. Stelzner, it is delighted to be back here. We figured it out. I believe this is my seventh appearance on your fantastic, ever popular program. I appreciate you and, of course, each and every one of your listeners, many of whom I've had the pleasure to interact with at some point down the road. So uh, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, It's great to have you back. So today, Jay and I are going to explore big trends in social media and how do we have content, in particular content strategy, into your social marketing. So, Jay, let's just dig right into the trends, man. What are some of the big trends that you're seeing from your perch when it comes to social? Yeah, you know, I I spend a lot of time on this, uh, Michael, because 
this is the work that we do for clients at Convince a Convert, of course. And so, you know, we are we are compensated to to help big brands figure out which trends they should pay attention to and which trends maybe they can just kind of let uh, float on by. And and I try to get more right than wrong, obviously. And but nobody's perfect. But but I think the two that I'm really looking at right now for the next I don't know six, nine, twelve months um, is is the increasing prevalence of of dark social and messaging, and that social largely is starting to move away from its historical basis in in sort of broadcasting, right? How can we accumulate as large an audience as possible, and moving back towards more narrow casting? So Facebook groups is certainly a big a big part of that. The increase in use of Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Instagram DMs. This idea that hey, maybe I don't want to necessarily get out there and try to communicate with 5, 10, 15, 100, 500,000 people. Maybe instead I want to try and have more productive conversations with 75 people, which is a much different way of thinking about social. But I believe that trend is very much going to uh, increase in its uh, usage here in the in the near term. I would love you to define the phrase dark social because I think I've heard differing definitions of this. So what do you mean by dark social? When we think about dark social at Convince and Convert, we typically mean all the different social interactions, uh, mentions of links, products, services, commentary that you can't find using some sort of social listening uh, software or tool. So it's dark, meaning that it is opaque uh, to analysis. So that would be if you and I uh, exchange a message on Skype um, about something, that's dark social. Mm. If if we trade a message on WhatsApp, that's also dark social. If we uh, are interacting on Facebook Messenger, which I do with more and more of my contacts, and you may do as well, Mike, there's lots of people in my contact list that I now interact with on Messenger that formerly would have been people I interacted with via email. I find that to be an interesting trend in and of itself. All of those places that we're having these conversations and also groups as well are places that you can't say, let me just open up my social media listening software and see how many times my hashtag was used or see if anybody mentioned my brand. You just, none of that works anymore in those, in those uh, venues. And and that puts brands, I think, at a little bit of a disadvantage because more and more, you know, the the the, the idea is that the brand should be part of the conversation, right? We've been saying that since the Clue Train Manifesto was published 15, 20 years ago. And brands want to be part of the conversation now, but you can only be part of the conversations you can find. Well, and this kind of opens up a big can of worms here because is it marketing if you're just interacting with one person? Talk to me a little bit about that because by its very nature, if you think about the traditional definition of marketing – kind of a one-to-many medium. That's right. This is not yeah. a one-to-many medium. So talk to us about that. Yeah, it, 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 you raise a great point. It makes, it makes you wonder, right? Think about and sort of a related topic. You know, sometimes you might hear the phrase conversational marketing. Conversational marketing uh, typically means sort of this idea of dark social plus things like uh, chatbots and, and web chat and all of those things kind of lumped together. And, and is conversational marketing marketing. So if I go to a website and I use a, a tool like uh, Podium or Drift or something like that, and I have an interaction with a robot and that robot helps me select a particular mattress or whatever, uh, is is that marketing? Uh, I think it is. Uh, but you're right. It's entirely different from what we have come to believe that at least digital marketing is for, which is how do we disseminate uh, information to a bunch of people at once. And that's not exactly what this conversational marketing or, or, or dark social is about. But that doesn't mean it can be any less effective. It just, you have to change the way you think about your strategy. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it's direct selling and it definitely sounds like it's customer support. And those things are all kind of 
fuzzing together, aren't they, with marketing these days when it oh, comes well, to I mean, online? Think, I mean, think about, I mean, even, I mean, look, Twitter is now whatever, depending on what TikTok's no, new numbers are, depending on, on your research and anybody else's research, you know, Twitter is like the seventh biggest social network in the U.S. by usage. Right. You know, it's it's not at the top of the list by any stretch of the imagination, but from a customer service, customer care standpoint, it's debatably first or second, right? So it's interesting, right, that 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 sometimes our use cases tend to fit the platforms uh, and and evolve over time. So if this first big trend is this dark social slash messaging trend, mm-hmm. um, what do we need to know as marketers? Because that sounds really complex <laughs> and not scalable unless it's- we're using bots, right? Yeah, right. So it, it is definitely scalable with technology. And you think about all the messenger bots, all the web bots and live chat and all that stuff is is scalable at some level. Um, you're right that it's different than posting a photo to your Instagram, certainly. Right now, as we're recording this conversation, what I'm advising my clients to do is just understand that this trend is going to happen, but not to make any really significant moves other than get familiar with Facebook Messenger bots and and chat bots, which we have done on our own site. I know you guys have played around with it as well. And I, and I say that the reason I, I ask people to tap the brakes just slightly for right now is that Facebook has announced that they are going to merge the back end of WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and Instagram DMs. They are trying to create the ultimate sort of messaging app. And until that rolls out, I am reluctant to advise my clients to invest in any particular channel technology because I don't want them to have to then unscramble that omelet in reaction to what Facebook announces next. And we have to think about, look, Facebook obviously owns Facebook, uh, the, the regular Facebook, also Instagram, also WhatsApp. I mean, they, they have such a stranglehold on messaging and what we now call dark social that whatever they decide to do is going to lead the party, whether we like it or not. Well, and for those of us that have been around this industry for a little bit of a while, which Jay and I both have, we remember 10 years ago, it was called community managers, right? And what was their job, Jay? To interact with humans, right? <laughs> so Yeah, on, on a one-on-one basis in many cases. Yeah, right? so exactly. It's almost like the pendulum's gone back the other way. Yeah, one-on-one, but public nonetheless, right? Because it was all out there on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. So yes, in some regards, we are going back to interacting with humans in whatever method good point. they choose to interact with us on, right? Yeah, I mean, answering answering tweets in the old days and sending customers WhatsApp messages now is much the same job title or job responsibility. Yeah, one's private, one's public, but it's kind of the same yep. effect. Or and, and, and I'm okay with that, right? I'm, yeah. I'm okay if I'm okay if we trade scale. For authenticity, if we trade broadcasting for narrowcasting, if we trade media for social, I'm okay with all of that. Um, You know, it makes my job a little harder as a strategist and as a cult, as a consultant, but as a human being, I would love to see social get more personal and smaller and neighborly again, like it used to be. I'm all for it. Awesome. So the first trend is we're going back to the olden days in some regards. And we're also going private. Really, that's what I'm hearing you say, right? And the private aspect of it that's not trackable, like you mentioned, whether it's over Skype or whether it's over Slack or whether it's over whatever, right? It's all the world is going to use whatever medium they choose to use to communicate with us. And we need to be prepared for that. That's really what I'm hearing you say with this first big trend, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you just got to watch, you know, watch young people and how they use social. I mean, I've got two college students and 
you know, they, they post to their Instagram wall very rarely, only when it's like the super perfect picture, but they use Instagram all the time. Absolutely. But, but it's, it's messaging, right? They're using it to, to communicate to the 30 people in the world they actually care about. It is their email. And that is a really interesting use case for social. And, and like most things in social, if you watch how kids are using it, it'll show you the future of how everybody's going to use it. Excellent. All right. What's your other big trend? This has been going on forever. So it's not a, a trend necessarily of the moment, but it surprises me that the trend continues and seems to have no sign of slowing. And Mike, it's the ever shortening of the average piece of content in social, mm-hmm. right? Every time I think that the average video can't get shorter, Vidyard or somebody else publishes a study that says, yep, it's gotten shorter, right? It's like the, the average business video, business video is, is now under uh, two minutes, something like that. And they've got a lot of data that show that the shorter it is, the better it is almost universally, right? I mean, we used to make, I used to make, you used to make, you know, three, five minute videos. You'd never dream of making a three or five minute video now. Everything has gotten shorter, shorter, shorter. And now with the new rise of TikTok, that has even more pressure on on content length to be tighter and tighter. I think we're going to end up in a situation pretty quickly here where the only long form content is either, you know, video streaming, Twitch, that kind of thing and podcasts like that's going to be it. And everything else is going to be what can you do for me in 45 seconds or less And that's a very interesting way to have to communicate whatever your brand story is. Now, that's true, I think, when it comes to LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and the major socials, Twitter. However, I think YouTube is probably the exception to that. And I think you might agree with me. That's the place where people will watch slightly longer video. Do you agree? Yeah. Yes. For a couple of reasons. One, YouTube has behavioral dynamics that are much more similar to television. Right. You settle in and watch YouTube because that's what you're going to do tonight. And also YouTube is much more like Google in its behavioral dynamics where I don't know the exact numbers. I won't throw it out here on the show at at risk of being wildly inaccurate, but it is some large percentage of people who do a search in YouTube, do a search for how do I dot, dot, dot. Right. Right. It is it is. I need I need to know a thing. Tell me a thing. Uh, And and. At, at that point, you're going to watch however long that video is, generally speaking. If you need to know how to you know, put out a grease fire uh, and you've got to watch a six-minute video, you're going to be uh, happy to watch that six-minute video because you really need to put that fire out. So, so there is a cause and effect in YouTube that you just don't have in the other social networks. It's, it's more, you know, you're, you're scrolling and it's like, hey, you know, a 45-second video from Marcus Sheridan. I'll watch that. It's not the same as going to YouTube and saying, you know, how do I integrate sales and marketing? Uh, one is push and one is pull, essentially. Now, let, let's get to the why do you believe that video on the social platforms, with the exception of YouTube, is getting shorter and shorter? What do you think is the underlying reason? I think there's a few different reasons. I don't know if there's one. A, there's just more content of all types, right? So if I don't like this one, I'm on to the next one very quickly. The same thing happened uh, years ago when Google searches uh, first started taking off on mobile devices when smartphones first rolled out. What we saw in that era, Mike, was a reduction in the average length of visit to websites from people coming from Google organic search. Because you do a search on Google, you get 10 options on the first page. You click, you're like, nope, that's not it and you immediately hit back. So you see an average session duration from Google visitors of like five seconds, right? Like, nope, 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 nope. And you're going back and forth until you find the right link. 
The same thing is now happening in social where whatever content you might dip your toe into, if you're not instantly hooked, you know that other content that might be better is just around the corner or just one screen down. And then I think the other issue is that such a high percentage of social media content is now being consumed on mobile devices where you sort of get into that slot machine, that sort of thumb scrolling, just just kind of the, the window shade going past your eyes that that doing a bunch of things quickly and in, out, in, out just sort of becomes – the ritual, I guess, is how I would I would say it. Yeah. Uh, and 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 I guess the third thing would be we sort of proved that it works. Like you know, there are many many successful um, social media content creators who are doing great things with short form. So it can work. It just puts a lot of pressure on everybody else to be that abbreviated and that concise and that clear on on message and call to action. So once audiences know that it's possible. They they seek that out, right? So if everybody else has a a one minute video and your minute and your video is seven minutes, it better be incredible. Uh, otherwise, you're like, well, why am I spending six additional minutes to watch yours when it's no better than the one who's a minute long? Yeah, and um, I think that if I could just add my thoughts onto this, I believe that for the most part, outside of YouTube, especially when we're talking about video, people do not go to Facebook to watch video. Um, they don't go to LinkedIn to watch video. It's not part of their intention when they actually launch the apps. Instead, they're going there to just see what's going on. They're, they're killing time or they're trying to catch up with their friends and they're scrolling, like you mentioned, through a bunch of stuff. Same thing, you know, with Instagram and the, I'll come back to Instagram in a second, but if they're not going there to watch video and if they're on their mobile phone, they're also not in a place where they probably can watch video if they're in a public place, right? Because generally that audio is going to be muted, right? So that creates it, it creates a difficult medium for them to actually consume longer content if they're standing in line or they're, you know, waiting for someone to come out of a grocery store. I mean, maybe they'll be a little bit longer if they're stuck in the car, but I don't think they're there with the intent to watch the video. And as a result, they don't, it has to be incredibly good. The other challenge with Facebook in particular is that the video does not take over the whole screen. So you can be watching a video and they'll disrupt you from it. By their very nature, Facebook will disrupt you. They'll pop up all those other people commenting on your post while you're watching the video. And it's almost as if they don't want, want you to watch the video, which is kind of crazy. Now, the one exception to this is stories. And I'm curious what you think about stories because I think people get stuck in story loops and they stay in story loops for a while. Maybe because it's just short 15 second or whatever the length is for Instagram in particular, short little quick things about your friends. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's such a great observation, Mike. I completely agree that that stories is so perfectly curated and designed to get you into that slot machine effect that I was talking about, right? The left and right arrow controls and, and everything's really quick. So you just go click, 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 click. And then the next person, you know, what reminds me, it's also fascinating how fast when you complete somebody's story, right? The next story, whether it's an ad or somebody else, you know, loads immediately, right? There is no choice to be like, you want to bail out now? You have to like, force yourself to leave. It reminds me of how Netflix has done it now. Uh, if you notice, once you complete an episode on Netflix, the play next episode, that that little invitation is up there for like four seconds, right? And if you don't bail out, you're watching the next episode of that show, like before you can even take a drink of water. And and stories works the same way, right? They, they get you, once you're in there, you have to purposely get out. There really is no natural pause to say, hey, um, would you want to maybe wait until the next one loads? It's, it's very much set up just from a, a user interface perspective 
to kind of keep you in that neighborhood. Uh, and obviously that benefits their advertisers as well. Since we're speaking about shortening of content, do you feel like it's just video or do you also feel like even like text is getting shortened when it's shared on the social yeah. platforms? Yeah, it's so interesting, right? I have no data on this. Other people who who spend even more time than I do, true A-B optimization tests would, would have a better uh, approach to this mathematically. But it seems to me that at some level, it's the opposite, right? That That at some level works really well in social is short video and longer text. I mean, you look at Instagram, right? Where a photo is a photo. They're all beautiful. They're all curated. They're all Photoshopped, whatever. But my observation is that what really tends to perform for people are the really super long heartfelt captions, right? right. Where the caption of the photo is, is, you know, 500 words. It's almost a blog post. And that seems to work really well. Longer uh, posts on LinkedIn. One of the things I've told my team to do on LinkedIn is like, look, let's, let, we're not going to make somebody click just tell them in the text what the answer is. Like, here's the question, here's the answer. Just pay off the solution uh, right there in the post. Facebook, I think, works the same way, largely. So it's an interesting dynamic, and you raise a, a great point that as video gets shorter, maybe text gets longer. Again, I don't have any data on that. It's just really more anecdotal evidence, but I find it fascinating. Well, I think you're onto something because the platforms want you to stay on the platform, right? So the idea mm -hmm. of the olden days where we would link out to our our blog post is kind of gone, right? I mean, people still do it, but with limited reach because the algorithms re restrict the access to that, to your audience. Yep. So this is a way to still be in front of your audience and provide value without leaving the platform, right? For sure. I mean, they they actually look at, and, and you know this, we've talked about it in the past, algorithmically, they actually look at how long does your thumb stop, right? So how long do you pause that slot machine of attention to interact with that particular piece of content? And, and so if the text is longer, it takes you longer to read it. Therefore, you pause it longer. Therefore, they show it to more people. Therefore, it gets more algorithmic love and it succeeds and the rich get richer. So there is definitely something to be said. Um, if you can write something compelling before you get to the more link to, to open up the, the post to see the rest of the text, uh, if you can write something longer, if people care about it, it should work better. Excellent. Okay, so so far we've talked about dark social and messaging and the shortening of content when it comes to video, but maybe the lengthening of content when it comes to text. That's a perfect transition into my next question, about, which is about content in general on social. Mm -hmm. And we may have already answered that, but is there, from your perspective, when you advise your clients, what do you specifically advise when it comes to the creation of content in their social marketing outside of what we've already talked about? Well, it's interesting, right? So we do content marketing strategy and social media strategy for for big brands all over the world. But largely, it's a difference without a distinction, right? Because back in the day, and I'm meaning like whatever, three years ago, you know, what, what was YouTube? At that point, YouTube was really a content strategy. Well, now YouTube could arguably be a social media strategy because you've got more interaction. But more to the point, now that you've got IG stories and IG TV, is that a social media play or is that a content play mm. right now that you've got people doing Facebook live and LinkedIn live and Facebook watch shows, uh, and, and long LinkedIn blog posts, is that a content play or a social play? So largely the differences insofar as there were differences between a content marketing strategy and a social media strategy are, are really um, fading away. And so as a strategist, as somebody who spends time doing this kind of work every single day, when somebody says to us they want one or the other, we're like, yeah, you really kind of want both because they're sort of the same thing. Now, certainly you, you might argue that, that your content strategy 
is sort of the umbrella uh, and your social strategy is a way to perpetuate, disseminate, and amplify your content strategy. And that's typically the way we think of it uh, when we actually put together strategy documents. But um, it used to be a lot more clear in my head and probably the head of some of the listeners what was content and what was social. And today it's all content and social just happens to be one of the ways you do it. Yeah, it's really interesting because if I think about what we do strategically over here at Social Media Examiner, we do have the very basic Facebook post where we would ask a question just to mm-hmm. get engagement, right? It's it, And I would argue that's probably just pure good old fashioned social, right? Like what are yes. your thoughts on whatever, fill in the blank, right? And then, or, or a poll, right? This or that. And that kind of stuff is designed to get our tribe interacting and we're watching what they're saying because that's insightful for our content strategy, but it's yep. also good for the algorithm. And that's probably not what you think of when you think of content, right? Or is it? And if it isn't, then let's talk about what is what should go into a good content strategy. No, you're exactly right. So when we think about sort of content and social, we like to think of it in terms of shows that we advise all of our clients to think like a television network and that you need to build as much episodic content as you can so that Mondays is this show and Tuesdays is this show. And that show may exist on YouTube. That show may exist on IGTV. That show may exist on LinkedIn. That show may exist on TikTok. It doesn't really matter. It's just that you're doing similar things at the same time with the same cast of characters with the same target audience and the same call to action on a regular basis, which not only gives the algorithm some cues as to what you're doing, but allows your audience to tune in and have some sense of what to expect from your organization. Uh, You and your team have done this really well for a lot of years, Mike. Before you go there, define what a show is, just so everybody understands. Yeah, so for us, a show is, is a repeatable type of content or social execution, right? So um, this podcast is obviously a show because it is by definition a show. But for example, uh, one of our clients is a university and and every Tuesday they do a takeover where they let an alumnus take over their Instagram stories and tell about their background and what they're doing now in their career and their relationship with the institution. That happens every Tuesday, right? That is a show. You can look forward to it. You can set your watch by it. They do the same thing every Tuesday, always on IG stories. That is how they execute it, right? So what we're trying to get away from, Mike, because frankly, it just doesn't work is random acts of content and random acts of social. Mm. Yes, of course, every once in a while, you can post something on Facebook that says this or that. What do you think about this? Give us your impression. That will work here and there. But what we're seeing is too many brands and individuals just kind of every once in a while doing something. And that doesn't, there's just no chance of success there. So I'd rather say do these five things, repeat those five things every week, and your chances of success are much greater. Cool. So you were about to tell me the three different kinds of shows. So go for it. Three kinds of shows, three kinds of shows. So this is the way we define it in our company. So the first is binge worthy shows, binge worthy shows, which have enough uh, production value, uh, have enough payoff for the audience or sort of um, interesting and dynamic enough that that credibly logically a viewer, audience member, content consumer would want to and be able to watch multiple quote unquote episodes of that show at a time. So Mm -hmm. a podcast obviously is binge worthy content. Most YouTube productions are binge worthy content. Many Facebook lives would, would fit into that category. Sometimes things you would do on Instagram would fit that bill. We think of binge worthy content as the show 
that is sort of the tent pole for your organization. And it needs to be something that you can execute um, a couple times a month or more frequently so that you can actually build up some, some real episodes. That's the first type of show. And it's also the one, Mike, that we uh, advise clients to put into their editorial calendar first because it usually requires the most production uh, time and the most consistent effort and the most consistent uh, promotional heft to make it work. Now, the length of something like this, obviously, if it's just, I mean, if it's binge worthy, it's going to be a little longer than the typical kind of stuff we've been talking about. Is that right? I mean, I think longer than than maybe you know thirty seconds or so. But sure, I mean, you, there's lots of of things that are pretty tight that you might still watch multiple of. We run a show, uh, Convince and Convert for Oracle called On the Fly, which is small bites of marketing advice delivered while traveling is the subtitle of this show. And we take uh, influencers, many of the people that you and I know and love, and we have them just do it right into their into their uh, cell phone, nothing uh, fancy, no big production. But the, but the tip, it has to be under three minutes and it has to be delivered while they're traveling. So on an airplane, on a train, hmm. uh, those kind of things. That's kind of the conceit of the show, right? And that show launches once a week. There's a new episode. You can watch them all. And each episode is three minutes, right? So so it is relatively short and you can absolutely binge them. Now, where is that published? What platform? Uh, so that show actually lives in three places. It is uh, on the Oracle YouTube channel. It is on Oracle Marketing Cloud's LinkedIn uh, and also on the Oracle Marketing Cloud blog. And if they wanted to, they could publish it on IGTV, right? If they decided they want to format Absolutely. it or whatever, right? Absolutely. They, they, yeah, they just, I think they figure- They're not there yet. IG, yeah, IGTV and Oracle Marketing Cloud is probably not a super great fit. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're talking about pretty expensive piece of software and it may not be the right place for them, but yeah, now, it, would this, be, it would be almost no problem to put it there. It's no big deal. Is this show typically low production quality or is it, I mean, is it highly edited or is it pretty- No, no it's okay. intended to be pretty raw. I mean, you know, it's supposed to be, hey, here's somebody who's like, who's literally traveling and they talked into their phone and here's three minute tips. So yeah, relatively, we do the post-production. Yeah. I convince and convert, but it's pretty light. Well, and I would imagine the things, I don't know if you've seen any of these direct to camera things I've been doing recently on Facebook, mm -hmm. LinkedIn, Great. and YouTube. It's just showcasing a side of me uh, with business advice and there, they're all kind of thematically tied together. So you could decide to watch them all back to back. And they're about mm -hmm. five minutes to six minutes long, really highly produced. Like we have a Hollywood guy out of Hollywood that's actually editing these for us, but they're really, really nice. well done. And I think that qualifies as binge worthy. And it's definitely, I guess, Absolutely. anchor kind of content that's setting me up for something I'm going to be doing, you know, in 2020. So. So one of the nice things about YouTube actually is that is that it does allow you to kind of get into that next episode cadence right. uh, in a way that some of the other social platforms aren't quite there yet mechanically. Yeah, we're publishing that on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and it's really interesting to see how the different platforms perform. And obviously, the big advantage to publishing on a platform like Facebook, especially if you have a really large following, is the share component, right? Which yes, is so darn easy. The problem with Facebook, of course, is that people don't, as we already talked about, they don't tend to watch very much of it unless they really have the desire and intent to watch it. So, yep. All right. First show type is binge worthy. What's the next one? Yeah. Second one is what we would call 
sort of one-time shows or special events. So these are things like a big forum, a live event where you're going to live stream it. On a B2B side, it might be a market research execution like you do every year. It might be a big webinar. It's not something that you're going to do in episodes. You might do sort of four a year or something like that. Usually we think of these kind of special event shows as happening every 60 or 90 days, but it's something where you're going to kind of direct a lot of attention to this one piece of content at Convince and Convert, we usually do with research reports. We usually do four research reports a year, and that's one of our kind of special event content executions. We tend to see this a little bit more in B2B than in B2C, but it can work really, really well for B2C. Also, I mean, one of the best examples, obviously now defunct, would be like the Victoria's Secret fashion show, which obviously isn't a social media example, at least not classically, but that's the idea, right? Where it's like, okay, we're pulling out all the stops every once in a while for this thing that demands attention because of what it is and, and how we're going to direct attention to it. So this is obviously a bigger commitment is what I'm hearing from you, right? I mean, if yeah, it's which a, is why you don't do it, which is why you don't do it every week or every other week. You do it right. every quarter or what have you. So if you had a research study that you've done and you decided that you wanted to basically come on air, you know, you could go live and talk about it. I would imagine that would be an example mm-hmm. of it, right? And mm-hmm. take questions. Would that be an example of how yep. this could work? Okay. Shh. Absolutely. Yeah. You could take questions on air. You could do it as a Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, IGTV, uh, interview the author, interview some of the study subjects, all those things. Now, if we can go back to the binge worthy thing, one of the things that I know you talked about with me before the show was the news and Mm -hmm. update stuff. That's the third type. Oh, that's another type. Okay, cool. Perfect. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Nice segue. So the third, it's just what you talked about earlier about you guys going on your Facebook page and saying, Hey, tell us, you know, who your favorite speaker are, what's your favorite restaurant in San Diego when you come out for the event or whatever the question is. It's the regular cadence kind of flotsam and jetsam that you put in social to engage with your audience. And all you're really trying to do is just kind of put out that, that engagement olive branch, right? You're not necessarily trying to drive messaging. You're not trying to tell story. You're not trying to create a call to action. You're just saying hello. And that's the news and updates type of show. And that's the one that happens by far the most often in everybody's editorial calendar. But I think it's really illustrative to be thinking about these three types of shows and and, and map them in your editorial calendar in that sequence, right? So your binge-worthy shows are first because you're going to do it consistently. Your special events are second because they do take a fair amount of time and effort, but you're not going to do them that often. And the news events, you're going to do it all the time, but you don't want to plot it out too early because you got to have room for spontaneity. So I'll tell you two ways we do this, and I would love to hear any other examples you have. Uh, We do have a weekly news show that Mm -hmm. where we just talk about the news and we literally bring on experts to talk about the news like it happens every single Friday. And that show also works its way into a podcast called the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. We never know what the agenda is going to be until the news kind of, I mean, we have it figured out about a few days before the show. And then another thing that we do to promote social media marketing world is in the 60 to 90 days leading up to the conference, we will bring on some of our speakers and just talk about a topic that they happen to be speaking on at the conference. So the idea there is kind of like, hey, we're here with Jay Bear. He's going to talk about this thing at the conference. And well, actually, we'll say it in a cool way. Like we're here to talk about this topic. Right. Like, let's just say it's customer experiences. Right. And Jay, by the way, you also happen to be speaking at social media marketing world. What do you want to say to anybody who uh, has never been? And then, boom, we get right into the content. And the idea is it's all part of a strategic plan to introduce some of our speakers to our audience with the hope that some of them will decide to come to the conference. Would that be an example of this? 
or is that something different? Well, it's because it's for um, a limited time. We yes, just do it. We do about the, eight the, times and that's it. Yeah. So I would say absolutely. Although because you're so consistent with your news show, yeah. classically, we would consider that to be binge worthy. The only reason it's not binge worthy in your case is that it is driven by, by news of the week. And so the chance of somebody watching old ones are, are reduced because of the nature of the show. So most of the time when somebody's going to do a weekly show, it's not necessarily based on the news of the week. And so it is more binge worthy. So I would argue you're a little bit of a hybrid and that the mechanics and the production of some of the shows are more binge worthy, but the topic makes it more of the news and updates. I see. Cool. Any other companies out there that are doing examples of this, like you maybe even yourself? Oh, tons. I mean, we're starting to see lots and lots of companies understand that having, you know, just a, a clear understanding of what you're doing and why uh, just makes it easier to communicate effectively uh, in social. So we're working with lots of different organizations. Uh, you know, we do this kind of work with with Cisco, with a bunch of different universities, with Oracle, as I mentioned, and lots of other ones that uh, that I can't name on air. But it really does uh, it really does work. And and you mentioned LinkedIn earlier. You see a lot of binge worthy kind of episodic content on LinkedIn now, and for good reason, right? It it gives people that ability to sort of tune in in ways that LinkedIn didn't used to have. Perhaps the biggest example of this that's ever happened to me was back in 2018 when the Facebook apocalypse thing happened, when Mark Zuckerberg came out with this mm -hmm. big change that he was doing. I went live on my Facebook page and I just commented literally on their blog post. That's all I did was I went through it and I said, this is what I think this means. And this sucker went viral. It was seen over 600,000 times. I was all over the BBC news and yeah, uh, I remember. you know all this crazy stuff happened. So that's the advantage. If you happen to be at the right place at the right time and you happen to have an opinion, sometimes you can tap into a news cycle well, and it can And that's why up. you want to have that news and updates part of your show, of your, of your show schedule. You want to keep it a little bit loose, right? Like right. Th that's why you put it on your editorial calendar last because you want to be able to newsjack if you have the opportunity to do that, right? So you, you know, our, our philosophy is you want to have a pretty good handle on your editorial calendar a couple of months out for the binge worthy stuff and the special events. But for the news and updates, you want to keep it relatively loose. If you over plan your editorial calendar, you'll never be able to take advantage of something the way you did. So any other advice, like um, we've got these three shows, binge worthy news and updates and one time shows yeah. as far as like knowing like what topics to talk about, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, so you want to think this through in the appropriate sequence, right? So what typically happens, and it and it's unfortunate, is somebody says, we got to do something on Instagram. Let's come up with a show. A better way to do it, Mike, is to say, all right, what is our business strategy? And what role does content and social play in that? Who are our audiences? Because of the nature of those audiences, what social channels or content repositories are they likely to spend more time in? As mentioned, you know, Oracle and Instagram may not be the perfect mix, at least today. And then only at the very, very end, do you say, okay, where should the show exist? So the way we think about it is business goals, content and social goals, audiences, calls to action and behaviors that we desire then channels, right? Then the show, right? So, so the last thing we figure out is where is the show? Because the, the, the most important thing is what is the story of the show and why does anybody care? And then we'll figure out how to tailor it for whatever social network makes sense. Do you believe in distributing it? If your audience is on all the platforms, do you recommend distributing it across all the platforms? Do you recommend mastering one platform first and then kind of figuring out the next platform? What's your thoughts on that? Somewhere in between, I, I will say it this way, there's an argument to be 
made that there is no harm in cross-posting your content, right? That if you've got a nice video, if you put it on Facebook and you put it on LinkedIn and you put it on YouTube and you put it on Twitter, like no harm, no foul. And yeah, I get that. And we, I, I certainly do some of that myself, but I will also say that I would be hard pressed to name an example of truly magnificent, staggeringly effective and successful content that was multi-homed like that, that actually was cross-posted. Almost every truly amazing example is native to the platform and kind of stays there for the most part. So I would argue that if you're going to put your content in more than one place, just make sure that you understand that each social network has its own rhythms and its own success factors. And, and I think you'll agree with this, Mike, in my estimation, what works in one social network versus another social network is actually getting more and more differentiated as opposed to more and more similar. That, that there was a time where you could say, yeah, it all works kind of the same, but those days are long gone. Uh, you just have a much more balkanized audience and a much more specific set of uh, routines that work in each social network. So I would just, I would just say, if you're going to cross post stuff, don't do it just because it's convenient. Do it because it actually makes sense. I agree with you 100% because we made the decision well over a year ago that we're going to let our video content live natively on YouTube and design it specifically for YouTube, knowing full well that what YouTube wants is people to stay on the platform. So that meant designing calls to actions at the end of the video with me pointing down saying, watch the next mm -hmm. video literally right here. Mm -hmm. And then when we strategically decided that there were some videos that I wanted to brand myself for, we decided to take an experiment with different endings of those videos. Uh, so for example, the videos I was talking about earlier where I'm sharing like how to succeed by stopping, uh, we have a different call to action on Facebook and LinkedIn than we do on YouTube. Instead, we encourage people yeah. to tag a friend and or share it. Um, and we cut the part of the video out where it's me saying, watch this next video. And that is more work. And at this point, the jury's out as to whether that's working or not. But the str strategy there was to get me in front of our audience because a lot of our audience does not live on YouTube. As a matter of fact, I would argue the bulk of them don't yet. You know, yeah. you're not reshooting the whole episode, though. You're just reshooting the tag, or, or uh, no? Or we're just we're just cutting end. out the back end, and we're just putting yeah. a full screen takeover on it. So it's not me saying anything. It's just a screen that comes up with some instructions mm -hmm. on it. Yeah, and that's not a huge amount of work. It just requires a little bit of work, and it, it, it's really kind of one of those things where I'm with you 100% designed for the platform. Every platform is different. Every platform is totally different. And even what is acceptable on one platform versus another platform is different. And, you know, I'm sure you would agree with me, Jay, if you're going to go to the effort to create something really high production value, you want to make sure it plays. <laughs> right. So yeah, you may as well yeah, put a little right. extra effort I mean, into it. No question. I mean, I, I've actually had this conversation more as a thought exercise than a commandment for me, but talking to our whole strategy team, our, our whole group of strategists that work with all of our clients, I said, you know, maybe we shouldn't even say the word social media strategy. Because when you when you say that it it implies that there is a thing that will work everywhere yeah. and, and there isn't. Right. So maybe a better way to do it is to say we're going to have a content marketing strategy. And underneath that includes a strategy for Instagram, a strategy for YouTube, a strategy for LinkedIn, et cetera, that, that, that even the premise of a social media strategy is inherently flawed. Yeah. Well, and this is exactly why we have not gone all in on IGTV yet, because even though we've got a full production crew doing video, it's just one of those things where it's very different. I mean, there's almost even mm -hmm. though even though IGTV does take 16 by nine video, it's just not built for that. You know, it, it works 
but it doesn't look you good. You can tell. I mean, you can tell when somebody is, has shot it somewhere else and just uploaded it to IGTV. Yeah. I and mean, you, you can tell right away. It doesn't, doesn't feel the same way. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's a lot of extra work for us to edit it for IGTV. And at this juncture, we're just not there yet, you know? Well, first of all, Jay, this has been absolutely fascinating because I think a lot of people listening right now, you know, are thinking, all right, you know, it's true. Everything Jay has said is true. The platforms are all changing and they all have their own algorithms and they all have their own kind of behavioral norms and stuff. And as a result, we've got to figure this content stuff out. Just, you know, to somebody listening right now, Jay, who's not yet doing any content at all, other than Mm -hmm. just like posting links back to their blog on the socials, what do you want to say to them? You have to think about these things in the appropriate sequence. And the fact that you exist, the fact that your business is in business is not a sufficiently relevant story to tell. So you have to, in my estimation, kind of goes all the way back to my book, Utility. The best way to start is to say, hey, just take every single thing you know and give it away one bite at a time in social. Just stay there. It doesn't matter what business you're in. It doesn't matter if you're in the flowers business or the plumbing business or the real estate business. It doesn't matter. You know a bunch of stuff that somebody doesn't know. So just take what you know, break it down into very small pieces. We talked about the the small unit of measure now. Break it into small little pieces and give that away episodically, right? Like if you're a plumber, do a once a week video on Instagram or probably Facebook's better that just says, hey, here's um, some way to do some uh, household plumbing stuff and just start there. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. And if I could piggyback on what Jay is saying, it's really important to understand that the platforms are going to restrict your links offsite and you need to be top of mind. You know you need to be in front of an audience and you know that those audiences are there. But Facebook, LinkedIn, all these platforms are not showing your content to that audience because you're not creating for the platform. When you mm-hmm. create for the platform, you will be in front of that audience. And when you're in front of that audience, they will be thinking about you. They will be angel evangelizing for you. They'll be recommending others to you. And isn't that what we really want in the end, Jay? Yeah, I mean, you, you raise a great point. Like the call to action on a lot of social content probably should be find us on Google. <laughs> Tell us more. What do you mean by that? Well, because when you when you put the actual link to your website, it typically carries with it an algorithmic penalty, right? The, the social networks don't want you to drop links in your content very often. That's right. So the reality is people can probably find your website, right? It used to be back in the old days. This is going to date myself dramatically. You know, you would hear radio commercials that said, find us in the yellow pages. Well, look, if you have a name of your business that is not like impossible to remember, if you're making content in social, just say, find our website on Google. Don't put your URL in there. They'll be able to figure it out. People aren't stupid. Or even better, understand that they're savvy and they can click on your profile and figure it out, right? And, yeah, also true. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> link in bio. Yeah. Or maybe just, hey, there's more content where this came from. Check us out, yeah. you know, here. Yeah. But the idea or, is- Or it's episodic, so I'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. Exactly. Folks, what Jay's talking about is absolutely essential to the future of social media. It really is the core of it. The platforms are all moving towards creating video type of content that keeps people on the platform. And you've got to do more of what Jay's been talking about. Jay, on behalf of my audience, I want to thank you for coming on. Where do you want to send people if they want to discover more about the strategy services that you offer and the other things you've got going on? 
Uh, very kind of you, my friend. Terrific to be back. And and hey, everybody out there, can't wait to see you at the big event coming up this spring. I, I just It's one of my favorite events the whole year. I would not miss it for the world. I'm delighted to be back. Our main site is convinceandconvert.com, convinceandconvert.com. Uh, my podcast is Social Pros, all about social media to celebrate our 400th episode. And my new show, as Mike mentioned on the outset, is called Standing Ovation, all about the inside stories of professional speakers and the stories they tell on stage. Be sure to check everything out Jay's got going on. I'm a regular listener to his Convince and Convert podcast. I also listen to Stand Innovation. If you're into speaking or you organize events, you definitely want to check that out. Jay, thanks so much for coming on the show. My friend, I appreciate it so much. Hey, well, I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. We took all the notes from today's episode. You can find them at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 391. Also, if you're new to this podcast, hit that subscribe button. That way you'll never miss a future episode of the show. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.